Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we love Star Wars, if it hasn't been evident up to this point. Uh, we're going to talk Rogue One today, but before before it, most of this is spoiler-filled. Last week, if you want something that's not spoiler-filled, go back and listen to last week's again. But before we do that, um, let's do very top-level, non-spoiler, just thoughts. So I thought it was really, really good. Definitely better than all the prequels. That was kind of my initial gut reaction. And my initial gut reaction was that it is super good and better than all the prequels. Then I saw it again, and I can't quite be sure if it's better than episode three or not, because I have quite a few nits to pick about it. Okay, I'll see, and the more that I thought about it, the higher I think I'm going to rank this one. This is probably in my top three Star Wars movies. Yeah. Probably. And this is definitely at least number five for me. Like, okay. I, the longer I've thought about it, the more that I've just thought, like, you know, they're, it's not nearly as good as I thought it was initially. So I still wow. love it. Don't get me wrong. I still love it. But you've come down from the high you were on right after you watched it, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I did. I saw it the very next day as well. And just having the reactions and the viewing so close together, it was like I saw a lot of the flaws that that for me personally, as a moviegoer there. Okay. Uh, I think the more I thought about it, the more I like it, and the higher it went up in my rankings. I want to see it again before I really, you know, and give it some time to breathe, but I like it a lot. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So we're going to get into spoilers. This is spoilers from here on out. If you haven't seen it yet or you don't want to be spoiled, turn back. Just pause. Come back later. We'll be here. Um, What was your first, like, big spoilery thing that you wanted to mention? Oh, big spoilery thing? Oh, my God, Darth Vader. They have the best Darth Vader scene of anything that I've ever seen. He did exactly what I wanted him to do, was just murder a bunch of rebel troopers and make him terrifying. And like that 60 seconds of Darth Vader doing that is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars ever. Yeah, no, that was my very first reaction to was, oh, my God, Darth Vader. Like it it was just it was perfect. It was what I wanted. I maybe I could have done without the earlier scene of him with him and yes. Krennic. Like that felt it, it was OK just it to felt set him up as a character. In. Yeah, it felt so wedged in that they yeah. were trying to build him up as a character. They're trying to build Krennic up and their relationship. And it really was like, oh, here's Mustafar. He has this really awesome Sith temple on it that we didn't know about. But at the same time, it was almost like they were trying to bridge the prequels to the original trilogy. And it just didn't work. It was that it was off in tone. It was off in dialogue. It felt stilted to me. But they, the idea was there, but I don't think they executed it correctly. Well, that that's like um, they're trying to bring some of the old expanded universe into lore. Darth Vader yeah. had like a lava lava castle, basically. Okay. I don't know if they'd ever said it. was. I don't on, remember that. Yeah, that's awesome. It was in like very old. I think it was in Ralph McQuarrie art. Like, oh, OK. From way back in the day. I think it was supposed to be in empire or jedi actually yeah and it never made it so i thought that was kind of cool that they tied it together with like this old lore plus they used mustafar so they could tie it into episode three um i didn't mind the setting so much as like i just yeah i thought that he had such a big impact at the end and that was what i came away from the movie with uh-huh. like darth vader is finally scary to me in a way that he never was in any of the other movies and it's because of that one 60 second scene and it's like yep. the most desperate struggle 
of the rebels and i was just amazed by it that also ties into like the other main thing i took away from the movie is that the rebels finally felt desperate to me in a way that never really was before because they always seem so organized and on top of it in the other ones because we saw it from coming in at the very end of the alliance whenever they were winning and even in empire strikes back they're set up in this base that yeah they got raided but they're it never felt as though they were in danger of being destroyed and disbanded and the Empire winning. And in this one, it did. They did a fantastic job of that. Yeah, I mean, the Empire in the original trilogy always kind of feels like bumbling idiots. Like, you mm-hmm. you kind of know that the heroes are going to win just because it's choreographed. And this is the first time where... It, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like you could really lose, even though you know they're going to get the plans out because the rest yeah. of Star Wars tells that. This is the first time that the Empire feels oppressive. They feel forceful. They feel like they really are dominating the galaxy in a way that we've never experienced before. And it was dark. I mean, everybody died, you know? Yeah. And we thought that might happen. But in the back of my head, I thought, oh, this is Disney. It's Star Wars. They're going to save one or two characters at the very least. Everybody died. And I'm so glad they made that choice. Like, that is the correct choice for this movie. It really was. And we were talking about this last night at a Christmas party that I was at. And we were talking about, you know, how they had to die. You know, they're not in any of the other movies. They were so important to the rebellion. And they're kind of these unsung heroes that, you know, it's the face characters. It's the Luke Skywalkers and Princess Leia's who get the credit. And it's all of the actual ground level soldiers who do the vast majority of the work and never get recognized for it and we were talking about how that felt like this that they did a really good job of this but because they're not in the original trilogy we were like oh yeah they just have to die anyway because they're they just can't be out in the galaxy somewhere because they were so high ranking and then we realized that the ghost and the rebels characters are still out there because so they were still there so that particular argument didn't necessarily hold weight but i really liked how they killed everyone yeah i didn't really get the impression that like these guys were high ranking it seemed like they were very ragtag thrown together at the last minute it's like they would have been high ranking after this that they would have been the high after they succeeded in this if you steal the death star plans and are able to destroy this you're going to essentially move up in the rebellion and be more high profile and because they couldn't be after that because of the other movies they seem to have had to have killed them and maybe you could get one of those medals that Chewie never got, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poor Chewie. And okay, so just overall, the movie like it, it worked so much for me. And in talking with you, I'm pretty sure that we're different on this. The dark yeah. tone totally resonated. Like this is such a different genre. It's such a different yes. feel to the Star Wars universe. And I have read almost all of the expanded universe. I know I've talked about that before. Yeah. The old stuff and now the new canon. So I've experienced like all of these different facets of the Star Wars universe. So every time there's a movie and it's this typical hero's journey type of thing, it, it's good and I love it. But I also feel like there's so much that was not explored. And this is the first step into new genres, new stories, Things that aren't the typical three-act structure. Well, it's still a three-act structure, but like the typical hero's journey that you come to expect, you know? And I just, I love the dark tone. I love where it left off. It left off like minutes before episode four, which I didn't think that was coming. Did you? That's what I expected it to be. I really, honestly, truly thought that it was going to end pretty much exactly like it did. That was one of my really big things, that it was going to end with her getting the plans and going off to you know have to save and have to give them to obi-wan kenobi 
Yeah, and I, I kind of assumed that, but I thought that it would end in a way where it would be like days later. And yeah. this this makes me think that it could be minutes later. I mean, maybe yeah, there's there's that he just chases them down, maybe at least an hour or so, but not much. Well, however much time it takes them to travel in hyperspace to Tatooine, because right. we know that that's how far they get. Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels like it happens right after, like immediately mm-hmm. after, in a way that I wasn't expecting it to be that immediate. So I liked that a lot about it. And, you know, I'd read a lot of the old expanded universe. That was what I did. I haven't read a lot of the new ones, but the old one I'd read a bunch. And I think I'm biased, though, against... And it's not that I'm biased against this kind of movie, this kind of story. It's just that the fantasy elements of this are what interests me more than the ground-level troops and, you know, the, the Rogue One series. The Rogue Squadron series never really did it for me. I prefer the hero's journey because that's what I did a lot of my... My academic work on the Joseph Campbell stuff that you know I that's what my PhD dissertation was going to be on that's what my master's thesis was on before they canned it I did so much academic research on it that it resonates with me because I know it so well and that I can read so much more into it because that's what I'm trained to do that when you get something like this it's just it doesn't interest me very much on a personal level like war stories are not my thing and so this one was very successful at what it did I'm it's a very good war movie and it's a completely different tone and i think they succeeded a great deal in that but as far as a movie going star wars fan i and and as a film scholar and i hate to put that way because it sounds really pretentious but as someone who has studied film at that level i see a lot of cracks in the surface of it as far as narratologically going yeah and i'm I'm coming at it from a completely different space because the hero's journey is just so predictable for me now. It's kind of like, I mean, we keep getting the hero's journey over and over in Marvel. And while I right. love the MCU, it's also getting more boring as time goes on because of that. And I mean, the ticket sales are showing that. Like, we're going to get the hero's journey. We're going to get it with episode eight and episode nine. It's going right. to keep coming. So it's not like they're they're not pulling the rug out of from under you with what Star Wars is oh, no. because there's still the saga, right? There's still the episodic saga. Like, you're going to get what you want from that. This felt so much more personal and it made the Star Wars universe feel more real in a way that all of the mainline ones just felt so fantasy because they are, you know, they're superpower characters in this world and they, they affect it in ways that most beings in the galaxy don't get to. And... This is the first look at like what it's like to be a ground trooper. And I just I love that they're expanding the universe. I love the dark tone of it. I really like that dark tone, like the serious feel of it. And for me, this one doesn't feel personal like the other ones do. I see exactly what you're saying. I think they did a good job of showing the ground troops. I think they show the the desperation of being under the Empire. I think they show the desperation of not being one of these high-powered characters. But I don't think it's personal because these... I don't care anything about these people because I don't know them as people. They don't give me any backstory. It's just, I'm oppressed. I'm somebody down here. And to me, that's not personal because I was like, oh yeah, you saved this kid, which is great. You show me that you're a good person here. And then the kid gets blown up later. And I'm like, yeah, that didn't do any good. That poor kid. And I'm like, I don't feel anything about that child there because I don't know who that is. I don't feel anything about Jen when she dies, honestly, because I know two things about her, that she's Galen's daughter and that she was in prison for a while. Like, I don't, I don't feel 
feel as though this is personal because it's not a personal story for anybody I care about. Like, And they don't give me the opportunity to care about them in this because it's running so quickly from one thing to another. See, I totally disagree. I would have hated it if they stopped to give a bunch of exposition about their backstories. Like, I don't care. Like, that'll well, come up in... Well, not even exposition. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I mean, it'll just it'll come up in expanded universe if they feel like they need it. But it's like I I could infer so much from what we saw that I don't need it spelled out for me. Like, I understand what Jen's life is. And I understand, like, the father daughter relationship thing in a way that like that really resonated with me just because I'm a father of a daughter. But I mean, even like Cassian, Cassian is coming from a background where he's done horrible things. And you can tell that from the one scene where they show it. But you know how much more he must have done and how much that must weigh on him as a person. And like you can tell that there's some internal debate going on with him. Am I even doing the right thing? Should I even be supporting this rebellion? Oh, no, I'm kind of bought in too far. He's looking for redemption. See, and I never felt any of that. See, looking for redemption from him, it's like he he seemed like such an aloof jerk. From my perspective as a member of the audience, it felt like he was trying too hard to be Han Solo from a and filmmaking perspective. See, he's my favorite character because... I hate him. He's my least. He has, I hate him so much. He has the most... He, he has the, the best developed arc and the most character growth throughout it because he goes from someone that will shoot a guy in the back because it's the right thing to do for the rebellion even though it's morally wrong to someone who goes against orders to do the thing that's morally right and he makes a complete like character arc in the course of this story in in a way that everyone else kind of does but he makes the most of one and i see that 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 he did you're absolutely right but for me i never it never had any kind of resonance for me because there was no reason for me to buy in on him it's just yeah this guy had a hard life and yeah he's a member of this rebellion but as far as him being a human being that i either like or enjoy watching i didn't like watching the actor on screen which is important to me and as far as just his character you know doing anything it's just like yeah you're another person in this kind of movie Almost everybody felt like an archetype to me. And it's just like we could look at it as we watch and know this is how this person is going to die. This is what this person is going to do. And it pretty much played out as a generic war movie that had some Star Wars stuff in it instead of a Star Wars war movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I thought it was great. (laughs) I thought it was really good. I think, oh, I thought it was really good. Don't get me wrong that, that I say these are nits to pick, but this is... I hold Star Wars in such high esteem that I wanted this first spinoff to be special and it felt so generic to me that I wanted them to have someone or something to make me care about and I'm such a character person more than plot and and structure that I'm like, I don't, I liked the cameos, I liked the call outs way better than I liked anybody in there except for Chirrut and Baze. And I love I love the plot. I love the pacing. I love the story that it's telling. Like, I didn't think this was a story that needed to be told, which I think you can tell from last week's episode. I said this is the yeah. safest thing they could have done. It is. And now that they've done it, I am so glad that this story has been told. I, and I, I wish absolutely they had love it. anything else now because it didn't feel like it needed to be told, that it felt like filler for a lot of it to me, that they didn't have anything new to say. So here's the reason that I'm really glad we disagree is okay. because... This means that they are going into other genres, and this is a genre that you do not like that I do like, and that means that in the future, we are going to get movies that I don't like that you do. That I do, absolutely. Which means that Star Wars is already doing what the MCU has failed to do up to this point, which is diversify the stories that they're telling. 
by giving us different genres, different looks, different story structures. And if this was just the typical hero's journey that we've already had seven times through movies, I would have been so disappointed. And I think you would have been happy. Oh, I would have been happy, but I would have, I don't know. It's, I think they needed in this one to do something new, which they did, but also something that felt like it mattered. And this one, having already known the story and how it went and what was going on, there was never any real sense of urgency, even though we felt the desperation. And I was on the edge of my seat for the second two thirds of the movie, probably. I mean, after they left where Saw was, I was I was all in for the rest of the movie. I was just like in it. And I loved it. I hated Saw. Like the entire thing on Jeddah, I liked part of it, but Forrest Whitaker was just miserable. But the stuff on Edu, it felt like it went on for half an hour too long. They could have done so much more. They were trying character development, and they got like two bits of it, and it could have been tightened up so much from a directorial standpoint. Yeah, I can see some of that. I mean, you're not wrong, but I also am fine with the way it turned out. Like, I wasn't disappointed, and I think you were disappointed with some of it. Yeah, I was. Not to say that I think it's 100% perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. I did have, okay, so I had two minor gripes about it, and these are really the only two things that bugged me after it. Yeah. Um, One was CG Tarkin. Like, yeah. that totally, the Uncanny Valley just totally took me out of it. I mean, I've heard that other people didn't even know that he was, like, a CG character. But I think yep. for someone who watches a lot of film, plays a lot of video games, understands the technology, like, the second he was on screen, it broke my immersion. Because I was it like, looked- oh, I'm watching a CG guy that doesn't look quite right. Yeah, he looked like a PlayStation 4 character. Like, a vi- just a video game character and whatever the next Mass Effect game is going to be. He looks like whatever they're going to look like. And he looked better in everything but the very first scene, I thought, that they were trying to show off the CG by having lots of close-ups. And once they backed off and just let him be another character in the scene, it worked really well. But the very first scene, it just took me completely out of it. Though, you're right, uh, my friend austin's wife grace had no idea that he was cg one little bit yeah i think it it depends on the person and if you've seen a lot of movies and a lot of the technology behind it like i think for us it's very very evident it also doesn't help that we know that that we know he's dead dead. Yeah. yeah so it's obvious that they've done some digital necromancy here um which is funny but also kind of disturbing the other thing was i mean they did young leia with the same technology and that one didn't bug me and that That might have bugged me like because it was only for like half a second i think that one looks so much more like a video game than most of tarkin to me and i think it was because of the lighting they tried to make it look like the 70s and i think they got the like coloration a little bit off to where it looked like you were playing a video game at that point that if they had had a slightly different like angle of lights or or different way they were just highlighting her so much that you could see the uncanny valley part yeah and i mean if you know about um like the production pipeline for films visual effects are one of the very last things get that gets done yeah. right before a movie launches a lot of the time they go back and they clean up the visual effects before it comes out on blu-ray or digital yeah so i'm really hoping they do another couple passes through those and it looks better in the final official form that we're gonna have forever because it's, yep. it's a possibility that they might clean it up so i'm not gonna That's hark true. on it too much the other thing no and it worked from a storytelling perspective in my mind that yeah. having tark in there was fine i mean i liked that part it just there was something about that very first scene where it's like okay i gotta get used to this almost yeah yeah there was an adjustment period um the my other minor gripe was that and it's weird that this is minor but 
I think it's because of the structure of the story. I didn't actually know most of the characters' names by the end of the movie. And I was okay with that, but it still bugged me a little bit. I knew Jin, Cassian, K2, and everybody else, I guess. Like, yeah. And to me, that's garbage storytelling. Because if you're supposed to make me care about these people and I don't know their names, you failed as a filmmaker. Because if you're trying to make me have an emotional connection to blind guy with a stick, you're a terrible filmmaker. Oh, I totally had a connection to blind guy with a stick. Totally. Like, he worked for me so well. It doesn't matter. It's a war movie. Like, how many war movies do you see and do you know every single character's name in them? No. Well, that's my problem with war movies. I, that's my problem with the original Stormtroopers in the original trilogy. That's why I like The Force Awakens so much, is that they have personality that you see Finn at the beginning in the village, that you watch the Stormtrooper die, and even though you don't know his name, you see a character who you do know, who who you learn to know Finn, and you see that these are real people, and so much of... Rogue One didn't feel like these were real people doing this. It felt like just just cardboard cutouts of this guy has a machine gun, this guy has a stick. Oh, the, this guy's an Imperial pilot. I didn't know his name was Bodhi until I looked at IMDb the next day before I went in. Yeah, I don't. I don't care because I couldn't like, it, understand for me. any of it. Yeah, and to I me, mean, I, but I'm whatever. a character guy so much more. Where I'm like. I'll have to know these people. I want to feel like you're my buddies, and if I don't know your name. I don't know. I don't need to know a name to be interested in a character. In a lot of ways, it's more interesting that they had such an effect on me without me knowing their name that um, I think I'm okay with it. I'm, it's still, like I said, it's a minor gripe of mine. I didn't know all their names coming out of it. I can look it up in half a second online. But yeah. See, the, but for well, me, that's the that's a film watching thing that if you have to look up somebody's name on the internet, or like you said, if you have to read all of the you know backstory for Jen or whoever in the expanded universe, if you can't get that across, not, not even know the backstory, I shouldn't even say that, but if you can't establish the emotional connection within the film itself and have it stand alone, then there's something wrong with your storytelling. And I think that that's something that they haven't relied on in the past, even having this canon there, like Rebels, let's say, having A New Dawn, having read it, knowing what Kanan and Hera were going through when they got together adds to it. And I think that the Krennic and Galen thing adds to this is why I liked Krennic so much, knowing that they used to be friends. And then, but that wasn't required knowledge for this. And well, I don't I don't think their names are required knowledge either. Like, it's just not something that you need to know. I still don't know their names. I haven't looked it up yet. And the movie is still great. Like, I think it stands just fine, even though I don't know. So I totally yeah. disagree. I mean, this See, is one where we have to agree to disagree. Yeah. Because obviously... Yeah, it is. It, it, um, we're never coming to a... <laughs> and that's good. No. You're right. I mean, it means that they're doing something right in terms of the overall structure of the franchise. Right. Okay. So, and then I also thought that this was the best space battle we've seen. And I know you disagree with me. I do not like it. And it's not that I don't like it. And they did good things. It's just that there wasn't anything memorable about it. The only good thing that I really will take away forever is them using the Hammerhead Cruiser to 
make the other Star Destroyer crash into the other one and destroy the shield wall. I loved that. That was great. That was fantastic use of the entire set that you have. That was great. The rest of it, though, just felt so generic that there wasn't anything that I remember. There weren't scenes that I remember. Honestly, like I do with Episode 3, I like the things from Episode 3 and Episode 4 where I can, I don't know, there was just something about the filmmaking on this that felt just like they were going through the motions in the space battle. Yeah, and I think it was a really cool return to form to match the original trilogy, but then also it felt a little bit more visceral in ways. Like when the Star Destroyer warps it, or not warps it, like um, finishes its, you know, yeah. hyperspace travel and it stops right as another ship is trying to jump out and that ship just cr- yeah. like crumples into it. Oh, that was um, a good shot. Yeah, things like that. And I mean, just the X-Wings and the TIE Fighters, it all just totally worked for me. Also, the fact that they resurrected <laughs> Gold Leader and Yellow Leader yeah. from old footage that. that never made it to the movies. That was really cool. And um, That was fantastic. I loved that. Yeah, it was a good tie-in, I thought. And then, like, little callbacks, like, Red 5 died. You know, Red 5 yeah. got blown up, which makes the way for Luke the next for week. For Luke to fill that shot, yeah, to fill yeah. that slot in the in the squadron. And I leaned over and told Jennifer, because people who don't know, you know, who don't remember that Luke was Red 5 aren't going to notice, like, oh, no, Red 5, and then he blows up. And I'm like, that's that's why Luke can get in Red 5. And and I was super excited about that to see it. I loved those kinds of callbacks and tying together. Like yeah. Honda Baba and Dr. Avisan in Jetta City. I thought that was awesome, them running into him in this, like, other outer rim kind of uh, hive of scum and villainy but they had to have left immediately because that place got blown up pretty quickly after that yeah they have to be going immediately to Tatooine which is a little bit like uh should yeah. those guys really be there but a lot exactly. of the other callbacks worked for me so whatever I'll give that one a pass um yeah besides that like here's another thing I know we disagree on oh yeah um, I didn't think that it needed the humor that it had because the humor it had, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that was funny, but I never once laughed in this movie. This is not a laughing movie. It doesn't need the humor to lighten it. It's supposed to be a dark movie. They could have taken it out and I think it would have been just fine. If it didn't have humor in it, if it didn't have K2 doing that kind of thing, and he's the only comic relief that, I mean, the rest of the movie is so dark, I probably would have straight up hated it. Because if a movie doesn't have comic relief, then I will probably never watch it again. Like, The Dark Knight is so heavy and so intense, Inception is so heavy and so intense, that... I probably won't ever watch those movies again. And those because are good movies that fun. I like. Oh, they're See, great. Don't get me wrong. Like they are fantastic. Difference. They are fantastic movies, and I hold them in very high esteem. But like the last time Jennifer and I tried to watch Inception, we put in the Blu-ray, and, and we bought the Blu-ray. Like We have these on Blu-ray. We love both of these movies. We put Inception in the player. We It went inside in the PS3. It, we booted it up, and the first note of the Hans Zimmer score, when it's still black, it goes, bong. Both of us looked at each other and was like, not today. And we haven't put it in that in the last three years. And it's just, we know the movie. It's a good movie. But when something is that serious and that heavy, it's like, I don't want to do that for fun. I don't want to spend three hours of my life sitting and focusing on something so dark and so heavy without any moment of levity within it. And, and that's see, what I, I thought that K2 did. Like, I love movies like that if they're good, you know? I love and them one time. 
I, I like it more than that because you go back and you catch more or like sometimes it's just nice to have like that tone in a cathartic way just to like experience it. And maybe this is like when the first Star Wars horror movie comes out, we're going to have yeah. the opposite conversation. I'm going to yes, hate we will. it and you're going to love it. And it's going to be absolutely very similar, but reversed. And I think we're a long way away from that. But I also think they could do a horror movie in the Star Wars universe. They'll get They've there written eventually. They've a horror novel. Yeah. I mean... Um, uh, so it is. A, it's an intense movie, but I like it. You don't. Um, I like the style, like the war movie. Yeah. I, I thought the title cards were fine, even though we were galaxy jumping constantly. Just the quick uh-huh. title card fit perfectly. It got us there. We didn't need anything more. Whereas in a normal Star Wars movie, you have to establish the planet more. You're not going to go as yep. many places because you need to like really mm-hmm. engage with the setting in a way that you didn't have to here. And I Although thought it was, I think they. F- oh, sorry. Oh no, I thought it was fine that there was no opening crawl either. The opening crawl was fine not to be there. The only the only nitpicks that I had here were just one of them. I don't like the way that the Rogue One title looked on its own without the box around it. It looked like it was an unfinished title card right when they said Rogue One on space. That just having the outline in that font, I was I just don't I don't know. For some reason it looked unfinished. And why didn't they have it on Mustafar? They told every other planet but Mustafar. And it's like they're trying to lead up to this being Darth Vader so much. It's like there's a lava planet. What do you expect it to be? Yeah. It's like why would you leave that out when you're telling me that this is Edu? You're telling me this is Scarif? You're telling me that this is Jeddah? And all of a sudden, here's a new planet we've never seen. And it's like, oh, there are lava flows and a Sith temple. I don't know what planet that is. It's like... For other people, that's dumb. That's I didn't even catch that. That's a really good point. They should have done it for that one, too. Totally. Mm-hmm. I also caught that a lot, like almost all the extras that were guys have like sideburns and mustaches. Did you notice <laughs> that? I loved it. And it looks like the 70s. It does. It looked like the 70s. They did such a good job with that. They did. And then one of the things I really loved was, I know I'm just jumping all over the place. I just like stream of conscious have done notes for this episode. Sorry, guys. It's uh-huh. not structured as normal. Um the the companionship at the end of the movie instead yeah. of romance there was Thank half goodness. a second yeah there was half a second i thought they were going to go in for a kiss and i was like yep. no no don't do that that's i was horrible. like you will ruin this movie you will ruin anything right here if you kiss and then it was just like no we are two people who came together experienced something awful and you know we're just two people right now at the very end yeah, and I thought I the think holding hands subtly was just a great touch. Like, that's mm-hmm. the way they should have done it. You don't need romance in every single movie. And exactly. I saw where they could have made the choice to do romance, and they didn't, and I was so happy that they did the choice they and, did. And, you know, I actually, and, and this is a tangent off a little bit, but I've gotten a lot of flack about my first novel for not having romance in it between the characters. That they, I've gotten a lot of stuff. It's like, oh, there's this female character and they're talking. I'm like, yeah, because they're friends. People can be friends. And I don't understand why people expect romance and want it so much because every time you do something with a member of the opposite sex, it's not always with romantic intentions. You don't always fall in love with somebody just because you experience something with them. And to me, that makes it feel real when they don't. Yeah, I mean, the majority of the opposite sex you meet are not someone you're going to have a romantic relationship Uh with, just statistically speaking, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that they finally did this and not the obvious, like, kiss choice. Um, I thought that this did a really good job of, like, bridging the gap between three and four, even though it's obviously more towards four because it ends and then four starts. But, like, 
I liked seeing Vader kind of out of the suit through the, you know, steam, mist, whatever. I think um, it was a Bacta tank, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. A, I'm sure it was a Bacta tank, but then there was just like stuff in front of it, you know, so you couldn't oh, okay. really yeah, see yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, see. yeah. Um, and then just like seeing Jimmy Smith's in yeah. there. I mean, he didn't have to play a big part, but I thought that it was good that you can see he's there when they first start thinking about resisting in episode three and like planning the yep. long term plan. And then he's here. So you can see that he was still there. He was there the whole time. There's a bunch of stuff like in the novels that he actually does, which would be interesting right. to be fleshed out later. But this is a good enough tie in for his character in the movie universe that now we know he's at Alderaan. He's dead. That's what happened yep. with his character. Like, it's not just inferred anymore. It's kind of like, okay, here's what happened. And I thought they had a fantastic scene between him and Mon Mothma when he was, you know, going to get Leia, talking about getting the plans to Obi-Wan, that he served him well in the Clone Wars. I thought that one was great, but it was almost creepy the way that he just came in out of the shadows behind Mon Mothma when they were talking to Jen, trying to convince her to go see Saw Gerrera. That all of a sudden he doesn't say anything. He just steps into this meeting and stands there glowering. And I'm like, way to be creepy, Jimmy Smith. It's like, that's <laughs> that's one way to do it. And I'm like, why would they just have him do that without saying something? Like coming into a meeting late, it's fine. But he just kind of came in this really over dramatic way. He's like, I'm Jimmy Smith and I'm in this movie too. Yeah, uh, no, I know what you're saying. I thought he he worked fine. And he, it was just yeah, nice he was to fine. kind of he was see there. He was there. He was fun. And it was good to see where his character ended up after episode three. Besides that, I just I thought that Rogue One had such a hard job to do. Like they basically said, here, make a movie in this universe that has to fit with all these other movies, but it can't be like those other movies. But it has to be different. But it also has to be like them go. And it's like, how do you even do that? I, I can't imagine how hard for the writers and the director that this must have been. And I'm really, oh, really absolutely. happy with the result. Now that they've done it, now that they've done it, the other Star Wars story movies have such, uh, they still have a hard job to do, but it's not nearly as much as this first one. Now, while we're on that topic, I know it's down lower in our notes, but what other genres do you want to see or are you looking forward to the most? I mean, they've they've planned a Han Solo Western. They've announced that it's going to be a Western, which I think is fantastic. That I think that since it's a space Western, going all out Western is going to be fantastic of not having to mesh the genres of him trying to do the samurai movie or anything like that. That it's going to be a straight up Western. And I'm excited about that. But are there any you're looking forward to them trying? Yeah, I really want a heist movie. I was kind of hoping the Han Solo would be that. But you're saying it's Western now. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they said, I think it was when they were casting Amelia Clark or maybe Donald Glover that it was going to be a Western. uh, They were basically making a Western like this one's a war movie. So I I really want a heist movie at some point because I think that would be great. I really, really want a movie that is purely Jedi and Sith and Force Mm. users and doesn't need anybody else in the cast. I would love something that's like a, it could be like a samurai movie, but it doesn't have to be. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want one that instead of having the Jedi in the context of a wider universe, I would love for them to drill down and really talk about like the competing philosophies because I think that's super interesting. And I would be really cool. I've always thought the most interesting characters in the Star Wars universe are the people who operate in shades of gray, especially like the gray force users. Um, Right. In a lot of the expanded universe, there are Jedi that kind of follow the dark side, but don't really become Sith. And then they end up evening out and they're just kind of like, for lack of a better term, a gray Jedi where they're, they're trained, they have all the power, but they use both sides of the force. And 
To me, that seems like it has the potential to be the most powerful Force user because you have the discipline from the Jedi and you have the passion from the Sith and you manage to balance the two and use both sides of the Force. You should be more powerful than either anyone from either of the side, just like purely good or purely evil. And I don't know if they're ever going to let them put that into movie form, but I would love to see that. I wonder if they're not going to do that with episode nine with Kylo Ren and Rey that with the way that they're already hinting at how both of them are being tempted by the other side of the force, they could be going for that in the final battle. Honestly, the final battle between those two could very well be a gray Jedi standoff. I hope that the Jedi and the Sith both become like outdated philosophies because they're both extremists. I mean, yeah. I know that we like the Jedi because they're good guys, but they're, they are extremists just as much as the Sith are extremists. Absolutely. And that was one of my favorite parts of the old expanded universe was when Jason was doing that with the Yuuzhan Vong, where yes. he was learning about how the force was the force and there is no light side or dark side. That was one of the most interesting things they did with it. And then, I mean, then they turned him into, you know, what was it? Darth Cadus or something like that. I can't remember right. his name. I think yeah, it was Darth Cadus. He went all the way to the dark and side, which he was went kind all of the way dark, which I thought didn't suit his character as much. No, because it didn't. he was he was always this contemplative philosophical guy right in the middle and wanting to understand and then he went to the extreme the other extreme that he grew up with and it never felt like it was an honest portrayal of that so i would love to see them do it for real like let us see it in a film because that was one of the most interesting things they ever did in the novels yeah did you have any other like genres that you really want to see i think those are kind of my top ones oh and i guess if i have to pick a character to make a movie around i would love obi-wan I think that they could Ah. do Ewan McGregor is like, well, him and Natalie Portman are the most misused actor and actress Mm -hmm. that have been in the series so far. Um, Unfortunately for us, Natalie Portman's character is dead, so you can't really do anything with her. But Obi-Wan, we know that he's alive and active during the entire time between three and four. Um, I think they need to bring back Ewan McGregor and actually give him a good writer and a good director, which he didn't have in the in the prequel yep. trilogy. He could knock that out of the park. That because would be he, amazing. Even going back and watching episodes two and three, he is my Obi-Wan. Like, I love him as an actor. and I love him as Obi-Wan that I would love to see him in his own Obi-Wan movie. And I'm such a fanboy of Yoda. I, I just want like a Yoda samurai movie or something like that that just shows either Yoda in his younger days, something. I just want to see, because I love Yoda in the Clone Wars, and when he's going out and actually, you know, being a general, like, I love seeing this kind of thing, that I would love to have him fleshed out more as a character as opposed to just the wise old man. And, you know, we know that Yoda's, like, eight, nine hundred years old. Yeah. So uh, I, I feel like if they're going to go back that far, rather than focus on Yoda, I would rather have them go back and do like KOTOR again, like Knights of the Old Republic stuff, you know, the the Old Republic and show but us what it was like. so far back. I, I mean, know. that's like 10,000 years ago. But we're talking where, about wishes, right? Oh, wishes. Yeah, that would be fantastic. if they Or just make a KOTOR 3. I mean, they make Knights of the Old Republic 3 and I'd be okay with that. Or Me even if whatever they want to call it. I don't care if they call it Nazi Old Republic, but they just go back in time that far and just let us see. Let us see Jeddah in its heyday because i loved seeing the giant jedi statues in the sand and 
I want to ask you a question. This is something I've been meaning to ask you. Actually, I've never texted you about it. Okay. So Jeddah is one of the first places where they were, you know, worshiping the Force and the Jedi came about. Does that completely overwrite the idea of Tython from like the old Republic and things like that and the old, old universe? Or is Tython still any part of the canon universe now? Um, I'm pretty sure that Tython isn't in canon right now at all the only really like jedi planets that have been in canon so far with the extended universe that i've read and watched and all that um are the planets that have to do with the kyber crystals like ilium and the ones where they just grow naturally and the jedi have to go there to acquire their crystals to make their lightsabers right those are the only like jedi centric planets that count as canon there's also there's a really weird planet that I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's supposed to be the focal point for the Force, both the light and the oh. dark side, and it's in Clone Wars, and I felt like it never really fit with the mythology, but apparently George Lucas had like his hands in that one as if he needed to establish this before he let go of the series. Did you ever watch that one? You watched the most of Clone I- Wars, right? I watched everything except for the last season that they put just on Netflix, and I honestly don't remember that. Yeah, I think it's in season four or five. So you would have watched it, but you might have just forgotten it because it wasn't that great. Um, If I didn't know that George Lucas had made that one explicitly because he wanted to explain the force more, I wouldn't have paid that much attention to it because they weren't great episodes. It was like um, Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi-Wan, and they kind of become embodiments of like the light and the dark. And there's a sister and a brother who are the current embodiments of the light and the dark. And the father is the balance. I don't know. It was really weird. But I kind of, I don't think we're going to see anything about that in the movies ever. Because it was kind of, Um, I'm going to have to go back and watch those now because I have zero memory of it. Even though I know that I I did. Yeah. No, I. but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of the like kyber crystal planets show up. Like Ilium. Yeah. Um, it would be really cool if they did do a Jedi movie to focus on how a Jedi has to go about getting their lightsaber and yeah. creating it and like bonding with the kyber crystal, all of that kind of stuff. Totally see that. I would love to see that because that's always my favorite part of any video games. Oh, yeah. Making the lightsaber. It's sweet. Uh-huh. I-, I wanted to ask about the screening. Like I saw it yeah. in a 4K. I saw the XDX theater, which has 4K yeah. screen and it has like a bajillion speakers it's like way more speakers than a normal theater does and i love that there's one in town that i try to go to a lot but i didn't have any previews did you i had like 35 minutes of previews like almost 40 and it was terrible and awful and the only like highlight of it was seeing the guardians of the galaxy 2 trailer in on the big screen like that was awesome like i still love that trailer but i also had to watch transformers 5 trailer twice in the theater and it is garbage like i hate michael bay and this is an entire rant about him but he's a garbage filmmaker he's pretty much from what i understand a garbage human being and i hate that i had to watch that twice and pretty much everything else every other preview that we saw i liked seeing the power rangers one like oh, because cool. I grew up seeing I, I grew up like adoring the Power Rangers. So this reboot is no matter how bad it is, I'm going to see it and love it because it is it's just pure nostalgia to me because I, I adored it growing up. But no, I was just I want to mention that, it because I was really surprised because the lights went down, the screen went black and then it, the Lucas, the Lucasfilm hmm. 
logo came up and then it said a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and then bam right into the intro of the movie like we didn't get any previews and it was such a cool experience to just be thrown into it i assumed like i always get previews when i go to that theater so i don't know what was different maybe that was opening night but it may be and it may be because it was honestly a bigger town and a different company and doing that because Carmack Cinemas here in town, I hate them because they are so rigid about everything. They are, I don't know if Carmack is the same everywhere in the country, but I assume they are. Like, they're not a good corporation to deal with. Like, they're very, very corporate, if you know. Like, yeah. they, they're just wanting the money from all of these advertisements, pretty uh, much. I see. Um, and then, well... Michael Bay's not a garbage filmmaker, by the way. I don't like his films, and I know you don't either, really, but he's that's a different topic. I can give you a link if you would <laughs> actually want to know a little bit about like the filmmaking behind his stuff, which is very fascinating. But anyway, um, this is the most gray Star Wars. I really like it. It's in my top three easily. Did you have anything else? Just like that was kind of all of my stream of consciousness stuff, and I think we hit on most of yours, but if you had anything else, hit me with it. Uh, see, I loved K2. Like we talked about that a little bit, but I'm a huge Alan Tudyk fan anyway, so I've been excited for him seeing him as a droid forever. He's Wash from Firefly and Pirate Steve and Dodgeball. Like he plays all of these characters that I just love. Um, we talked about how Saul was terrible. Like, yeah. I want to point out just Forrest Whitaker is an is an award-winning academy award-winning actor he is a good actor and then you put him in this and the character did not fit he was overacting everything and he had this entire metal body right he was basically a darth vader with a head and they even used the darth vader breathing noises when they did this and i thought they were leading up to him being like this turncoat maybe or as opposed to this extremist that he was going to betray somebody and you know lead into the empire or something like that because they were they were very heavy-handed in showing what a threat he was to these people and how mechanical and like darth vader he was and then it's like no no, you you didn't do that. And then he tortured somebody with a very generic, obligatory war movie torture scene with a psychic alien with tentacles that we've never seen before. It's like, cool, I don't care about this guy. And then he went mad for all of 30 seconds. Cassian talked to him. It's like, okay, I'm good now. I'm not mad anymore. And it's like, awesome. You guys don't. That's dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I thought that Saw was, I thought he was going to be much more interesting character and much more critical to the story and it felt yeah. like you could have cast any actor in there and then not made them all beat up like it he, he <laughs> yeah. didn't need the backstory he didn't need that actor it could have been any generic person just who owns yes. the castle on that planet it doesn't really matter yeah that's pretty much the way i feel that entire section of the movie honestly could have been taken out they could have very easily had the the message from Galen end up pretty much anywhere else and it would have been fine. Like that didn't add anything to the movie for me other than seeing the Jedi statues. That was it. And I liked the planet and the oppression and then the test firing. And I thought that all of that worked, but the specific part where they got taken by the local group with saw and they got put in prison for a little bit i didn't need that that was kind of like that was probably my least favorite part of it i'm glad it didn't go on for very long me too i still felt it went on too long though that was when i went and peed because like i know what's going on this doesn't do anything i'm bored and it was because of that in the middle part of the movie that uh grace my friend's wife fell asleep during rogue one because of the middle part of the movie dragging so much wow yeah well 
like you know different strokes and all that yeah. it's it's a different genre if people went in and they didn't want a war movie like it was kind of shown it was going to be a war movie but oh yeah see i was excited that it was a war movie that's the that's the reason i'm so disappointed is that they didn't give me a star wars war movie they gave me a war movie <laughs> and it's it's just so disappointing that i feel like they missed an opportunity even though they succeeded in so many ways and i don't i think they nailed it it's great. I love it. I'm glad that we disagree so much. This is awesome. Yeah. We've never disagreed that, this much about Star Wars before. Uh, we never have. And that's why when I was going through this morning, I've, I've been thinking about this for for like three or four days now that, that I've before we recorded this. And I've been having discussions with people and, and just sitting back and thinking about everything that I'm going to say. And I came in today to write out everything like I do because I, I, I do. For those of you who are listening, Void writes all of his out very quickly. Uh, not very quickly, but over the course of a week and puts all very much care in his and I do all of that in my mind when I'm thinking about stuff and then just jot it down like for notes right before the show so I can get it all out and looking at all of his this morning you guys I was like oh this show's gonna either go like four hours or you know this is gonna be nuts if we're gonna start yelling at each other (laughs) and it's like but but it's like because we disagreed on almost every single point at least we can agree to disagree we're not like yeah yeah yeah, I thought and it was And that's the whole fine. thing. That's one of the reasons like I love this podcast and glad that we started it because we can be critical about things. I can be critical about this and I completely understand and I'm glad that you loved it so much. Yeah, like, and I mean, I get where you're coming from too. Like I know the type of stories you like and I know why you don't like this one. I'm just totally in a different spot with it. I'm glad that it worked because the fact that it worked for you means that there are going to be more because if this had bombed, it would have changed the entire direction of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the opening weekend already brought in. It's like the third or fourth most successful movie ever. It's only I saw below it was like 290 million as of right now. Yeah, I, think I saw not, that this morning. Not movie ever, but movie ever that was released in December or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. for for similar opening weekends was basically the stat that yeah. I was looking at. And I think that only The Force Awakens and like one other movie were ahead of it, maybe two, but they were all okay. gigantic properties that everyone would know. So, yeah, yeah, it looks like it's doing well. I hope that it doesn't have a huge fall off. I hope lots of people keep going and seeing it and that it does well and then we keep getting Star Wars story movies yeah me too um i wanted to talk about what we were right about everybody (laughs) died the the everybody everybody the test firing of the death star at partial power so it was like a whatever they call it one reactor firing there was a single reactor firing yeah and okay i love this part i know you and me you i don't know if you loved it as much as i did oh i thought it was really cool Seeing the test fire, seeing the power of just a single reactor of the Death Star, yeah. I expected it to be a small explosion. The city or whatever it would was would be destroyed. I did not expect these like dirt tidal waves of stone and boulder and like tectonic plates just being disrupted. Like I thought that was awesome, but almost every single person that I've talked to over the course of this weekend, watched that and then said, but I thought that the first Star Wars said that, you know, Alderaan was the one that got destroyed first. Like, because of the massive scale of this, people who aren't you and me don't understand what a single reactor is because they never really, like, explained it too much. And they always panned out before the explosion was done that people assumed that the planet was destroyed. And I think they didn't explain that well enough for people who aren't like super nerds like us. They did say in the movie that they were going to pass it off as a mining accident. Oh, they did. And it's just that 
by having, I don't know, almost everybody I've talked to missed that part of it. Huh, interesting. I mean, I can see where they're coming from, but also... Yeah, it, I mean, I see it. I yeah. I caught it. I was like, I mean, I explained it. Like, oh, yeah, I guess they did. But it was just something they didn't didn't do. Oh, I don't know. Cool. Um, I also thought that... I thought kyber crystals were going to be more critical, but no. they were in there at least. So I'm going to give us partial credit for that one. <laughs> Yay! Yay! And then Galen built in the weakness. That was the one that I called after the first trailer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy that I was right, even though it was kind of predictable <laughs> i was so glad that you got that too the moment that they said it like i was happy for you because i'm like yeah that makes sense i'm glad that he you know they yeah they telegraphed it but i was like i'm glad that he got that like i'm glad i'm so happy yeah okay so overall thoughts about just like star wars story movies for the future um we already kind of talked about new genres and things like that oh one i forgot to mention i think it'd be interesting to see a romance in the star wars universe that would be cool I want to know what that looks like. I also want to know what, and this is going to sound dumb, I want to know what a sci-fi movie looks like in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, for real. Like, I know exactly what you mean, because these are fantasy fantasy movies, Yeah, and these are very much fantasy movies. And I talk to people, you know, this is one of my big, like, I love this about it. I love science fantasy. I love Sword and Planet. Like, this is my thing. And I want to see a sci-fi movie of this where they actually go into you know the technology the science behind it and don't have the fantastical yes i i'm really curious what that looks like what a science fiction movie in the star wars universe looks like because like you said yeah these these are not sci-fi movies they are in setting but they're not in they're they're fantasy movies you know yeah and that's one of the reasons i love this universe so much but now that we get to see other genres, I'm really curious mm-hmm. what a sci-fi movie looks like in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, besides that, for the Star Wars story movies, I'm totally bought in now. I love the change in tone. It worked so well for me. Um, how do you feel coming off of that movie? I'm sad. I guess a little disappointed because as much as I can rewatch all of the other movies, I'll watch this when it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray or, you know, home video, however you want to put it, because it's 1982. It's like, come on, it's home video time. It's, uh, you know, I think that it's a good movie that I will probably watch about as much as I want to watch episode two, that I like it. I think they succeeded, but it's not going to be one that just makes my rotation that I'm going to that I'm going to watch. Okay. That's, I mean, it's valid, you know, it's a different tone. I, I knew yeah. that not everyone would like it, but I'm glad that I did. And I hope that yeah, the next, I'm hope that the next star Wars story movie is one that you like, even if I don't end up liking it just for some balance. Yeah. Yeah. And I've started liking Westerns a lot more. So seeing that part of the universe, I'm going to enjoy, like that was actually surprising for Westworld for me, how much I liked it because of the Western part. So I'm like, Oh, I'm growing as a human being. <laughs> nice um okay i think that's about it for our main topic we're getting up there in time if you want to get a holiday present for us i know we mentioned it a couple times but you can give us ratings reviews on itunes we've gotten a bunch more the last few weeks as i've asked so thank you for the holiday presents if you want to give us more and you haven't already go on there and do that because it rocks uh i don't think we're going to do any sponsor or offer of the week for the next couple weeks just because we have a lot of material here right at the end of the year but we will do a little bit of weekly geekery and just so you guys know we're recording this episode and then our two 
end of the year episodes, which are going to hit your feed in the next two weeks. We're recording all of these in two days. So we're kind of stretching out some of our geekery here. And then I'm sure when we come back after the holidays, which we're just buying ourselves time for the holidays, um, when we come back after that, we're going to have a lot to talk about because it'll be like three weeks worth yeah. of geekery. So, And then all of the stuff that we, you know, do over the holiday and talk about where, you know, all of the gifts that we get and games that we have time for, it's going to be insane. Yeah, and that's going to be, we'll call that the start of season two, just because we wanted some clear markation, like demarcation of mm-hmm. seasons. So we'll do that when we get to the new year and we're done with this season. Um, we'll we'll do that. I don't know if things will be very different. Maybe. I don't know. But it'll be season Maybe. two and we'll be back. We might kick it off with just a full geekery episode for just like an hour of what have you been yeah. doing for the last three weeks. We'll see what ends up happening. But for now... Um, what do you want to talk about? Mario Run! Okay. Oh my goodness, Mario Run is so good. So, I didn't know it came out. iTunes messed up for me. And it uh, it didn't give me a notification. So, all day on, on was it Thursday that it was out? I can't remember what day it was specifically. Yeah, it was Thursday. But it was, I was at home doing something else and I didn't know it was out until like that night and so I didn't really get to even play it and it made me so sad that that the iTunes notification didn't happen and when I finally downloaded it like I'm all in that even my wife is all in when I bought my new computer I got two iTunes gift cards I got 50 bucks back from Apple because I financed it and all of this and we each redeemed one of the cards on our accounts so that we could have Mario run and get the full game without actually spending any extra money uh and we are loving this like this is making me want a wii u so bad that she and i are competing kind of like i said i'm competing against you where we're trying to beat the high scores of getting coins during the tour mode that i i love doing this and you are making me a better mario player that i can honestly say looking at your high scores of me going through once or twice i'm like daggum void you are better than me and i'm like i gotta get better at video games like i knew you were better at video games than i was but i'm like it's on son i gotta get better at this and i'm like i used to be good at mario and i see you doing this and it's because i haven't played a 2d mario in so many years it's like i want to buy myself a wii u so that i can get better to beat you at something in the future wow okay this isn't this is not bragging (laughs) but i just i want you to know that i haven't actually tried yet um i know and that's what makes me so sad because i knew you hadn't no like the, the, i just the, i played through because the game you went once. through it yeah that's yep. that's all i've done really is i played through the game once just to see every level and after that i did like one toad rally which is it's like a multiplayer competitive thing where you can see other people and their style and their scores and stuff that's all i've done i haven't actually gone back to try to do well yet i know and i'm gonna be so embarrassed like, I, I'm going to, to buy a ticket, go to Minnesota, knock on your door, punch you in the throat, and then fly <laughs> home before I get arrested and be like, how's them purple coins, son? And and that's that's going to be it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so what I wanted to talk about with the game is I'm I'm totally into it, too. I'm, I beat it on the first day because, well, right. okay, so I'm, I'm decent at Mario. I'm good at Mario. Um, I beat the game, all the levels, once in about an hour after i bought it but the thing is with this game the levels are shorter on purpose so you can play them on mobile and on the go i wish there had been about twice as many levels but the thing is every level they built 
to be replayed to collect coins. So the real challenge comes in from collecting the coins. The first set of coins is pink, and if you can get all five of them in one run, you can unlock the purple, which are harder, and you have to get all five of those in one run. And if you do that, you get the black coins, and those actually remix the level. Did you know that? All of them remix the level, actually. There are slight changes in the purple one as well. Going back to the... And the black ones remix it a lot. Like, it's it's a step up in each one how much they change the levels. Yeah, I didn't know the purple ones changed it too, but I knew the black ones did for sure. So you're getting a couple versions of each level, and the real challenge is figuring out how to get all of the coins in one run through. So that's kind of the replayability of it, where it comes in. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm just now starting to go through and try to collect coins um, level by level. And I might do a little bit more Toad Rally. Like, the competition part isn't as interesting for me, but I know there are people that it is interesting for, like you, obviously. Well, I really like it. I really like the competition part because it's not real time. Like, Jennifer was on the couch this morning. We were sitting side by side playing Mario Run, and she was doing a Toad Rally, and I popped up while I was just playing, like... I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know if they prefer people on your friends list for Toad Rally somehow, but she popped up and competed against me until she beat me, and I think it was one of my, what they do is take one of your better runs at a certain level, and then basically time trial you against the other person, because I never got a notification that she had beaten me, she didn't take any of my Toads or anything, so it is completely asynchronous, but you can compete against your friends if you see their names on there. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm going to keep playing that over the holidays and collect a bunch of tricky coins, I suppose. That's kind of where I'm at with the game. I'm going to be doing the same thing. I was playing it before we came on here. Cool. And then I know the one that's on both of our lists is Fuller House. Did you watch season two? I did. And I still can't say that this is a good show. Like, it is not a good TV show, but I love it. Like, it is so much fun for me to watch because I love those characters. Like, it was my favorite show growing up. And just like season one, I loved season two for all the same reasons, except for the main cast. Do you like the episodes that has the original cast in them? I actually haven't gotten to those yet. I'm only like, uh, I'm only three or four episodes in, but I wanted to talk about it anyway because I'm in the same spot as you. Like, it's not good TV that I can actually recommend to most people, but if you were yeah. the age that we were and you grew up with Full House, you have to check out Fuller House and at least give it a couple episodes to see if it grows on you because it's the same show. It's a 90s show yes. made in 2016, and it's kind of insane with the structure they went with. Like, no sane person would make this show, but Netflix is like, no, yeah, let's never. try it, and it's a huge success for them. So... And yeah, no, but what did you what do you want to say about the old cast? Because I haven't gotten to those yet. Well, the the original cast is just painful on here. Like it seems like they're so wedged in for the new story that I really don't like it as much because I do like what's going on with the characters. Like they've built up the relationships and the storylines enough that I'm like, I want to see what's going on. And they actually went in a different way than I thought they might at the end of it, just the way that they handled things. And I was really proud of them for, you know, having a few real moments where I'm like, yeah, that's how people, that's how people react. And I really, I was, I really approved of it. You're talking about the old cast that's not part of the new cast because like half of yeah. the current cast is old cast, but they've grown up. The adults, the parents are coming in. You okay. got uh, you got, you know, Danny, Joey and Jesse and Becky when they're all coming in. Yeah. Alex and Nikki, the twins, whenever they come in, 
it's really it feels shoehorned in that oh we're having these people come in as cameos and as a special guest star this episode when you know Jody Sweeten Stephanie is my favorite she's like, really good yeah she is fantastic especially for somebody who in her personal life has struggled so much that she is she's such a wonderful comedic actress and to know the things that she's overcome with like drug addiction and substance abuse like she is I'm so proud of her as a human being that it just makes me like Stephanie even more. That's awesome. Um, so for me this week, I had both of those were on my list, so we talked about them together. Um, wow, I went back and it was exactly what I said was going to happen last week. I played yep. a couple more days. I played some Legion, so I got my <laughs> my character into mm-hmm. Legion. The intro was good. And then the first zone, well, the artifact quest was good. And then the first zone that I picked was like a druid-centric storyline. And that actually had like more production values than most quests did. This was like all about druids and like the Emerald Dream and corruption and um, kind of all of like World of Warcraft druid story stuff all came together. And it had some characters in it that have been characters I've known since Warcraft 3. So yeah, that played a big part also. Plus, my main is a druid, so that that whole zone really resonated with me. I did enough of that zone to unlock the dungeons, and then I beat that zone anyway because I liked it and I wanted to see mm. the end of that story, which was really surprising for me. Um, that's awesome. The, that's great because WoW is not strong on its storytelling, no, and they got really better not. in Draenor. So I'm glad that they're still improving it. They are, for sure. So that zone was great for the story. I was surprised how much I wanted to see the end of that story. And then I did dungeons, so I started running dungeons. And when I did that, I also had to pick the next zone. Basically, when you get to the part where it kind of opens up, the content scales with you in Legion, which is great. It's cool technology. But you get to pick the next zone that you're going to. And I picked that Druid one first. And then the next one I picked, just it hasn't interested me at all. And that's what made me stop playing the game. I played oh. I, I played through it anyway because I was queuing for the dungeon finder. So I'm probably like three quarters of the way through that zone. And it's just not interesting. It's just the story's not there. The The production values are so different from what they were in the first zone that I did. Like there's almost mm. no cutscenes. There's almost no characters that I know. There's nothing there that's really grabbing me. So I, I kind of just stopped you know, Did it, you... it was just quest after quest. And I was like, well, I've seen all the dungeons. That's all I really needed. Well, there was a moment like that in Draenor for me. And how far... W- I know that you didn't get out of the first zone in Pandaria, that you were able to level up and go do your thing and leave the continent. How far did you get into Draenor that you actually quested and did all your stuff through? Um, I got about... Well, I jumped between so many zones. I think I saw every single zone. Did you? And okay, I, that's how I one hundred percented one, almost two of them. Okay. Did you try Gorgrund? Gorgrund. I the... don't remember. I hated it. Like that's exactly how I felt about it. Like I was looking forward to this zone so much that I I didn't rush to get there, but as soon as I could walk into that zone and do the story, I did. And it's the production values just dropped for me in that one. And I 
just powered through, went to a different zone, done some dun- did some dungeons, and just moved on because I was disappointed that the production value dropped so steeply. So I know exactly what you feel like after having you know a, a really good experience and to have it be like, wow, guys, you dropped the ball on this. Yeah, and it was really like if I could have chosen to go back and pick another zone to start at that point, I would have kept playing and given another zone a shot. But the structure of Legion doesn't let you do that. After you pick one of these four like areas of interest or war zones or whatever they call them, you are yeah. locked in until you finish the main storyline in that zone. And I just didn't care at all. So I was like, give well, me your password. I'll beat it for you and then give it back to you so that you can choose again. Uh, no, because as we no. talked yesterday, I'm OK with mediocre content as long as there is a modicum of fun. Whereas you're like, I'm done. I hate this. Everything in the world is wrong. Ah. Yeah, I I don't feel like that. I don't hate all of it or all. Of, I mean, I liked what <laughs> I, I played till then. It was just at that point I was done. So yeah, I'm done with WoW again. You know, maybe in five more years I'll play for five more days like I did this time. But <laughs> seriously, I looked. I looked oh, at I the know. last I just think it's time funny I played. The way that you said it, I looked at the last time I played, and it was five years ago, and I didn't even make it a week in the current content before I got bored. Like I think I'm just done with WoW. I think I've outgrown it as a game. And I hope more MMOs come along that are different. But as we know, the MMO market just doesn't really exist anymore. All of those like forces are going into other games now that are more MMO-like. Yep. So I, I might just kind of be done with MMOs. I'm, I don't know. We'll see. I might try some of the ones I haven't tried, but I'm not expecting a whole lot. I'm just that's where I am with MMOs. I really do think that you would enjoy Wildstar for a short amount of time. Like I'm about, I think I'm level 24 on the Spell Slinger that I started. Very fantastic game. I've moved into a couple of other games, but I'm still going in and getting my my daily uh, reward for logging in, playing a little bit. Where I'm not as hardcore as I was about it at first, but because of the same thing, I'm not into full on MMOs anymore. But it's still an incredibly good MMO where it combines a couple of different genres in terms of gameplay. Where I'm like, yeah, this is this is fresh enough and familiar enough that i can see myself putting some time in on it that is one on my list that i have never tried that i should probably try before i just kind of wait right for mmo so yeah that's one that i i very likely will try at some point i just don't know when exactly yeah but yeah um so sorry that was kind of a down note for a while the other thing Aww. that i have been watching is the white rabbit project which do you know what that is no i don't know what this is at all okay it's a netflix original but it's basically the build team for mythbusters so uh carrie tory and grant they got their own show and it's just one season of it it's a netflix original and i didn't understand the premise for the first couple episodes which made it so i almost gave up but i'm glad i pushed through because now i get what they're doing and i like it it's kind of a blend of sometimes they try to recreate a thing Sometimes they're just giving you like a history lesson about it. Sometimes they're interviewing people about the thing. And what they do is they take, it's so weird. It's so hard. There's no like one line sentence of what the premise of the show is, which I think is such a missed opportunity, right? I mean, like for anything, you should be able to say Mythbusters, right? Mythbusters, we're going to test myths and try to bust them. There you go. You know, a sentence. Like most shows you can summarize very quickly. This is like... They pick a topic. So, for example, heists, right? Okay. And they give you six examples of heists, and maybe they're from history, or maybe they're recent, or maybe they're something that 
could happen and then they like some of them they recreate by building them some of them they recreate by like doing uh the actor thing where they like reenact them Mm. and then other ones they just talk about the history behind it with like real footage because it's cool or it's just them sitting around a table talking about it and in, in the end of the episode they will rate those six heists based on criteria that they set beforehand and then they will rank them number six through number one for which one is like the best right so one of them was heists one of them was like crazy world war ii weapons one of them was like prison breakouts one of them it's it's like it's so different episode to episode one was what is the coolest superpower that could actually exist in real life with our modern technology hmm yeah, it's it's strange. And like I said, I'm not doing a very good job of selling the premise because they don't do a very good job of explaining yeah. the premise. But I like it, and I'm over halfway through it, and I'm definitely going to finish season one. I don't think I'll ever watch that. That's okay. It might not be for you. Did you even yeah. like Mythbusters? I liked Mythbusters at first, and then it's the kind of quote-unquote reality show that or documentary show i don't even know what the category actually is but i just get so bored of that kind of show i'm like yeah this is a pretty neat premise and i appreciate what you're doing but the 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 characters the 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 people who are on it tend to get on my nerves i don't like adam savage i don't particularly care for whoever the other dude is he seems like kind of a Jamie's kind of a jerk face and I just he's so droll and I just I don't like watching them and it's kind of the same re, same thing about Rogue One is if I don't like watching somebody I refuse because I focus on one thing as you know you know I'm doing whatever it is that I'm doing and if I am not all in and I like this I'm done like when it comes to watching TV like I do not do half seas on TV yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I liked Mythbusters all the way through, and I love Adam Savage. Like, he's fantastic. I would love to meet him someday. Um, he I just, actually I don't has, know what it is about him. He, his, he just bugs me. Um, he definitely, he's himself, but he also kind of puts on his on-air personality on Mythbusters. But yeah. what he does now that Mythbusters is done, he does stuff for Tested, which is his own channel yeah. site that like he founded with a couple other people and the stuff on tested.com which i just go to the youtube channel but they have their own website too i i love what they do i love when they dive into like props and movie making and behind uh, the scenes be film cool. stuff yeah because he comes from the world of film and like special effects and that's where he came up in the world before he did mythbusters so okay. a, lo- a lot of it is that and then a lot of it is just like him building things and figuring out how to build things and how things work and yeah yeah i love tested and the youtube channel for tested.com way more than i ever loved mythbusters and i think it's because it's so focused on adam and adam was my favorite part of mythbusters okay i totally understand that i can see why tested would be good for you yeah yeah so it's really good okay cool let's save the rest of the geekery for next episode because we're going to record that here in minutes and with that, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. Where I'm pretty sure that this week there this week is going to be a firestorm of Rogue One comments. So go check it out. And if you want to get email updates about any of the podcasts on our network, sign up at geek2geekcast.net. Please, please, please. Please, 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 
<laughs> I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. And I'm, that's on Twitter and all of the others that at geekfitnesscast. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Sounds the things are.